When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. A winning week 11 Inside Black and Gold podcast. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you the latest from a Saints victory. Yes, a Saints victory. New Orleans taking down the LA Rams 27 to 20. Jeff, it was finally great to have some positive things to talk about for this show and just in general in front of the home crowd. Yeah, it was a late arriving crowd. It was yeah. not full. There was a lot of empty seats. But if you play the way the Saints did today more often, you will probably be able to play in front of a full uh, auditorium, if you will. Like, that's ideal. And this crowd was good today. Like, it were, they were loud. They affected this game. But, you know, I think just the the number of empty seats is a good indicator of the sentiment around us right now. But that's not the case today. Saints won 27 to 20. We're going to get into a lot of that. In this first segment, we're going to get into, you know, a lot of the creativity that they displayed. We're going to hear from Dennis Allen, Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, all these all these folks about, you know, the, the role Taysom played and kind of how they went into this game with it. Second segment, we're going to get into a lot of Cade Nellis, Jawan Johnson, you know, some of the big plays from this game. And then the final segment is going to be a mailbag. But, you know, the story of this game to me, you know, Andy Dalton played well. You know, they ran the ball well, whatever. Taysom Hill's involvement, not only, you know, running the ball and doing it effectively, he was in the game constantly. Uh, We don't have the total snap counts yet, but I guarantee you it's going to be by far his highest involvement of the year. He ran the ball nine times. He also threw the ball three times. He caught a pass, and he he had at least two or three plays where he handed the ball off. So, I mean, you're talking 20 touches in this game, and 
And that is well above what we have. Even in the game against the Seahawks, he didn't have that many touches. So, I mean, I I think it's just, you know, people have been asking all year. It's like, okay, why don't you get Taysom more involved? Why don't you get Taysom more involved? You saw them do that today, and it worked. Hallelujah, right? I mean, I feel like we've been beating our heads against the wall talking about this. And then you start wondering, is there something wrong? Are we not seeing something that Pete Carmichael Jr. and Dennis Allen might be seeing with him? But it was great to see a more involved Taysom Hill. And I've talked about this before. When he is in the game, it just creates a buzz amongst the fan base. Was the plan going in to kind of get Taysom a lot of run, or was it just something that developed during the game? No, the plan going in was to to get Taysom involved. Um, you know, and, and so, uh, as a matter of fact, I think Andy got a little – frustrated throughout the week that we had so many plays where Taysom was in at the quarterback position but that's the great thing about our group you know our group just wants to win and they'll do whatever they have to do to uh to try to win and 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 that was something that we felt gave us a good chance this week and um our guys went out and executed it no he was he's kind of joking though we actually asked Taysom and Andy about you know whether there, there was any actual kind of like annoyance but that's you know it didn't not really the case um or at least they won't, won't admit to it but yeah and so that's the answer I was hoping to hear when I asked that question. What I wasn't hoping to hear was, oh, yeah, well, it just started working, so we kept with it and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I want to hear that you are scheming and you are planning to get him incorporated because you can see, like, even if it's not generating chunk plays, which it wasn't early in this game, right? The first couple plays you had him in there were not fantastic, right? They, they stopped him on a third and short early in the game. But you stuck with it. You didn't allow that to get you out of what you were trying to do, the game plan that you went into the game with. And I think that is a very positive development because I think in a lot of these games this season, you've been trying something, trying something. It didn't work right away. You went away from it. And at the end of the game, you're like, well, where was he? You know, and so I think that was a very positive thing in this game. And it really helped you. You saw in the second half of that game, his plays became more and more effective. It opened up other things, no matter where you had him lined up on the field. It was just a well-designed, creative game plan. And at a point where you really needed that, you needed some positivity to, to see a route for this season to maybe turn around. And I think you got it today. No, and you mentioned too, when Taysom got stuffed early on, I was like, Oh, no, great. We're, we're right. never going to see him for the rest of the game now. Yeah, and that wasn't the case, right? Like, he, I think he definitely had his highest usage today. I don't know about the total snaps, but I guarantee you, you know, he was, he's been hovering somewhere between, like, 20 and 30% of the snaps. I would gauge him at, like, 40% probably in this game, right? Even when he wasn't getting the ball, he was on the field. And, you know, as as DA said, like, he was talking about how, you know, Andy was getting kind of annoyed because there was so much Taysom throughout the week and it, the the involvement was planned. And that's just, you know, it's a positive thing. This is a team that has struggled to run the ball the last couple of weeks. But, you know, and they didn't blow the doors off, right? Alvin had 42 yards on 12 carries. Taysom had 52 yards on nine carries. David Johnson only ran the ball once. He did catch a pass for a first down. Uh, and that run went for negative four yards. So, I mean, you averaged right around four, four and a half yards a carry. Not great. But it was the it was the attitude behind it, right? On a, with an offensive line that was banged up, you were able to establish the run. You were able to, you know, show your worth in that regard and make them adjust to you. And you know, I I, I don't I'm not going to take too much out of this game. The Rams are a very bad football team. Like, let's be real. This is very similar to the Raiders game, where you know this does it's not a sign that this team has turned things around. But you have to be able to beat this team, and they did. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold that against them that the Rams are bad. Yeah, and big shout out to the makeshift offensive line because I was 
genuinely concerned about Aaron Donald just wreaking havoc the entire game. And that wasn't the case. Of course, there were moments, you know, that the pressure was uh, able to get to Andy. But for the most part, they did a good job of keeping him clean. Now, obviously, the offensive line is banged up and you're running a lot of power sets. You know, when when that's the case, does that affect kind of how you approach particular plays, the kind of gaps you're trying to go at? or And how do you think that group kind of held up today? I mean, I thought they did a great job. I, I haven't seen statistically what the numbers were, but um, I felt like we ran the ball really well and those guys uh, came in and, and battled, you know. So I, I was I was really impressed with, with what they did. And I think... You know, on the the next level up, I thought the coaches, you know, the element of what makes a coach great, and I think we got great coaches in there, is is they put us players in a position to be successful, and doesn't matter if you're the backup or the third, whatever it is, like their job, and they spent a lot of time putting us in positions where they think we'll be successful, and they did that. Now, I, I would question whether they've done that every week. But they definitely did that today. And I think the game plan was indicative of that. You know, you saw more creative plays. And part part of it is being able to get deeper into your playbook by extending drives, right? Like when you're not extending drives, you can't get that creative because you're not on the field to get creative. But there were moments today. So you had motion into a Alvin Kamara Wildcat snap, right? You had a double reverse that mm. did not work. And, you know, even if those plays aren't working, forcing teams to defend them yes. is helpful. You know, and one of my criticisms of this offense to this point is like you just haven't gotten the other team off balance by by doing anything interesting and anything anything exotic you know part of it is when you don't have your pieces it's hard to get creative but they definitely did it today and and the, and the exotic plays didn't work that's the thing like and i'm okay with that but you still got to run them you still got to you still got to keep teams honest and uh, that was more than anything else that's what the offense did now the defense that long drive late in the first half was a very negative development you do not want to see that drive happen. But they did come down, come back. They, they clamped down. They hit Matt Stafford and knocked him out of the game. I think there's some questions about whether he should have really been out of the concussion protocol because uh, he didn't get hit that hard. But he was definitely out of the game. And that and that once that happened, it was the, you know, this game was over, right? Like Bryce Perkins. I don't even I didn't know who that was until he went in the game. Me I called him. I called him Bryce Thompson by accident. I'm like, wait a minute. No, Perkins. Bryce Thompson's Bryce, on the screen. Bryce Dallas Howard. Um. Yeah, once he went in the game, you know, he, the Saints did struggle to defend him because he does a lot of the things that the Saints struggle to defend. That worried me a little there, right? If they had a lead at that point, I think he would have been in trouble. It was good that the Saints were able to take control of the game before that happened because I think if he was playing with a lead and he was able to just kind of scramble around and get, generate first downs, I think the Saints might have been in trouble. But, you know, they forced him to have to do more than he was comfortable with. Saints still didn't force a turnover, but they did play clean. They only had two penalties themselves, and one was a that intentional was penalty late in the game to get a longer punt. And so when you're playing like that, you can make up for the fact that you don't take the ball away. And, you know, this is a game where you needed to just show that you have confidence and build on it, and they did that, so that's good. Yeah, really impressive to me was the lack of penalties, obviously, because of the, the you know, the lack of veterans that you had out there. There was no Cam Jordan. There wasn't a Marcus Davenport. Obviously, Cesar Ruiz, I mean, um, uh, Eric McCoy is on injured reserve. Uh, Andrews Pete was active but didn't see any action. You had a lot of guys that didn't typically see a lot of snaps out there, and they did a great job of not, you know, blowing this game. And that was key, not with those those unforced penalties have been such killer for this team. And tip of the cap, too, to the refs. Yeah, they didn't make themselves part of the game. You know, yeah. this was obviously a uh, charged rematch. There was a really good us versus them that kind of uh, teased, the, teased the Rams a little bit. 
I didn't, yeah, I didn't like the fact that they put the Nola no call up on the scoreboard. I was like, why would you even bring that up? Because they need to know that we haven't forgotten. We'll never forget. It's like 9 11. Yeah. <laughs> let's not, <laughs> let's not go there. I'm um, just saying, we'll never forget it. Yeah. We, we can end it with that. <laughs> You're from New Jersey. Uh, it, it, for, from what happened in that game, that was, <laughs> it's, it's in that kind of realm of something, a moment. In history, you're not going to forget that no let's call. Not compare the things. I'm let's not just, saying the devastation of even the, that. I'm, I'm not comparing that, but just the shut moment, it down. The shut moment it down. itself. Shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> shut it down. All right. Anyway, reset. Man, I, I've completely lost my entire train of thought. No, I just, but, I just didn't think putting the no, no, no call up there. Yeah, it's fine. I, I did forget appreciate what the joke it. was too about something about controversies on film. Yeah, I can't remember, but I do know that they the also Saints had JFK, right? They also made fun of the Rams for not having any fans and uh, their home stadium being louder when the 49ers show up, which very true. And I know this because I watched the 49ers Rams game last year because I had to do it. And it was louder when the 49ers scored than when the Rams scored. So that's not something you want to say about your home stadium. But, you know, this is a game the Saints won. So let's talk about the Saints. And, you know, I, I think that one of the reasons I'm not going to overreact to this win, right? Like, I'm not saying the Saints are out of the woods. I'm not saying that the Saints no, have figured right. thing out. I think the Rams are really bad, and they were too bad. They were too banged up. They're just not a good enough team to win a game. I don't care who they're playing. They might not win a game the rest of the season if things go the way they did today for them, if they can't get pieces back, if they're missing their fourth-string center, right? And, and Matt Stafford is not in the game. Like This could be the worst team in the NFL if – the team that was on the field at the end of the game today is the team that is on the field the rest of the season. All that said, you can build off this. The Saints offense did look good today. And it's more of a question of, can you put it together? Can you string things together? And and what I asked Andy Dalton about after this game was, is one of the things that the Saints have not been able to do this year. And if, and if it doesn't happen next week, then this win doesn't really matter much. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, obviously one of the things this team hasn't been able to do this year is win back-to-back games. You know, were there things in this game that you think from an offensive perspective were figured out and how do you kind of roll that forward into next week to kind of get on the street? Yeah, I mean, for us, we've got to carry uh, over the momentum into this week. And so, I mean, that's the most important thing we can do. We can enjoy this one today. But moving forward, we've got to find ways that uh, the things that we did really well, things that we can build on and, you know, find the things that we need to correct. And... I mean that's the that's the nature of this this game, and when you week in and week out, you gotta you know cor- correct the mistakes, but it's easier to correct the mistakes off of a win, and I think everybody understands that. And the the feeling around uh, the the building after a win is always way more positive than than the opposite. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this is there wasn't any extravagant dance party after the game. The you know the team kind of cleared out quickly, and that's the right approach because. You need to be business-like. You cannot spend any more time than is necessary celebrating this win because this is a team that has not won back-to-back games all year. And unless you can go to San Francisco and win a game, this doesn't mean anything. This is, that just means you are still on the same tedium, the same you know, cycle of win-loss-loss, win-loss-loss, win-loss-loss. And if you keep doing that, then you are going to be a team that's watching the playoffs from, for, from out of the frame. Right. You need to win multiple games. You need to get a winning streak going. And until you can do that, nothing matters. Nothing else matters.
it's definitely felt like we've been stuck in win one, lose two, win yeah. one, lose two kind of thing. Right. And there's no momentum. You're not building nah. from week to week to week. And I think that, you know, as, as difficult as it's going to be to go out to the West Coast and beat the 49ers, that's a winnable game. Now, hopefully you can get some pieces back, right? Peyton Turner went down with an injury in this game, unfortunately. I do think that there is a slight bit of positivity in that, you know, they listed him as questionable to return after the injury, right? And so when you get when you see a guy go down with an injury like that and he gets carted off, you're immediately worried, like, oh man, what if he like broke something or what if right, what he if, didn't he didn't walk off even under his own power? Then the car came. The car came on the field. Yeah, the car he was carted off the field. And there's always a big difference, in my opinion, between yeah. getting carted off the field and getting carted back to the locker room. Because right. that means that your the injury is enough that they don't even want you to stand on it. They're like, okay, we're gonna bring it out here. Cause this players would much rather walk to the sideline and go in the tent and get carted directly back to the locker room. But he was listed as questionable to return, and if he had suffered something that was like going to end his season and it was obvious, he would not have been listed as questionable. Out, right. Like, I never expected him to come back in the game. He would have been listed out right away if he, like, like, for example, broken his ankle, which is something that can happen in an NFL game. So hopefully that's a good sign for him, and you know maybe he will miss a few weeks with an ankle injury, but hopefully it doesn't end his season because, you know, who knows how long Cam's going to miss? Who knows how long Marcus is going to be out? You finished this game with Jabari Zuniga getting real reps. I, I didn't even announce that, pronounce that guy's name until right. today. So, yeah, hopefully you can get him back. But there's going to be serious questions, and you're going to have to figure that out and go across country and get a win. Um, and because every game, in my opinion, from this point on is a must win. And you, you mentioned so with Cam Jordan, he was at the game mm-hmm. but still donning sunglasses. So you can't really tell how bad the eye issue is not like i i don't know if it's like swollen still or what exactly he's dealing with but you know my theory I'm, is I'm it's hoping- gone my theory is he he lost his eye he's got a glass eye now just a hole like <laughs> you know the the house of the dragon type stuff yeah i mean obviously he he's a big factor to return this game coming up because yeah we don't we don't know what's going to happen with davenport who knows what's up with Peyton Turner now too. So yeah. your 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 defensive end stock has been dipping. Yeah, and then you have got and I don't know if anyone's going to get that reference, but I'm not going to explain it. If you've seen the show, you get it. You got an impact in the pass rush from the linebackers, and you're going to have to continue to get that. Demario Davis yeah. got through for another. I think they listed it as a half sack. Caden Ellis had two sacks. I started him in fantasy this week, so I'm glad he did that. He got me like Wait, twelve. You started and a half the Saints points. defense or just you? you no, started I, I have Ellis. an IDP league, so. Yeah, yeah. I actually started Caden Ellis in one nice of my pickup. in one of my slots because I I had I think I had Javon Holland and the Dolphins are off this week so I had to find somebody and I was like yeah Caden Ellis is gonna it's gonna have to make tackles snaps, right <laughs> Some, someone's gonna do something and it's gonna be him uh like Pete Werner is not there so that volume tackle spot is to be had by somebody but it was the sacks that actually you know made the big difference in that back to back two sack games right I don't think he had two sacks no I don't it's think it so. no okay no I know I think he had one but either way so. Good game by him. We're going to talk about him a lot more in the second segment. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's nice to just enjoy a game of football. Oh, he, he, had so one and miserable. A half, uh, he had one and a half against the Rams. Sorry. Gotcha. It's been so miserable watching Saints games. And I think I tweeted this midway. It's like, I don't even care who wins this game. It's just nice to watch fun football. Because what we have seen from the Saints yeah. the last two weeks has not has been anything but enjoyable to watch. No, totally agree with that for the fact, yeah, the, the game in Pittsburgh – was no fun whatsoever. I don't think from either side of the ball wasn't impressive. And that game against the Ravens on Monday night, you were just totally dominated by Baltimore. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're getting embarrassed, and that's never fun. 
Yeah, and I'm seeing right now, like, you know, looking at this, Pittsburgh at the half actually beating Cincinnati. So Steelers on a roll. Yeah. Who knows if they can hold that lead? Yeah, and the Broncos and, and Raiders are tied 10-10. No there's one's watching that game. I was going to say, there's some exciting football right there. Yeah. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a lot more about Caden Ellis and uh, Juwan Johnson, who, you know, leading the, the Saints in touch, receiving touchdowns by now a wide margin. Uh, stick around for that on Inside Black Eagle. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. And uh, we're going to get into this. I want to talk about Jawan Johnson. You know, this is a guy who came to the NFL as a wide receiver. He, he had to make himself into, into a player that, that you know, we, we had to talk about every week. And that wasn't always the case, right? He has disappeared for long stretches throughout his career. But this year, more often than not, he showed up. He had three catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown today. He has five touchdowns in his last five games. He's leading the Saints in touchdown receptions with five. And no one else on the team has more than three. Good for him. You know, he's a guy who should be a weapon, and he has turned into one uh, This at this point in the season. Definitely something that none of us saw coming. And I think there were even some concerns, like, in training camp, you know, it, his roster spot definitely wasn't guaranteed, I would say. I mean, yeah, there were people saying like, oh, Lucas Kroll's going to make it and we're going to bump Jawan Johnson. I wasn't one of those people. But, no, no, you know, I was just saying, though, yeah. I remember like, hearing it, it. Right. It wasn't anything that was guaranteed. He was definitely, I don't, I wouldn't say it was on the bubble even, but there was some talk going into camp like Jawan Johnson's spot is definitely not solidified, obviously. Not, let's put it this way. If he had a bad camp, there was a reality where he got cut. That's a good, I think that's a good way to put it is like right. his spot was not guaranteed. Like if he had laid an egg in camp and he just didn't look good, you could have feasibly seen him missing the roster, but obviously it didn't happen. He had a rough set of OTAs. Like, I don't think he looked great until camp started. Um, but you know, and he's really shined since, you know, a lot of his, his production may have come in quote unquote garbage time. You know, he had the two touchdowns against the Cardinals. He had that late touchdown against the Ravens. I want to say. Yeah. Today, that was obviously a meaningful touchdown. He had that that catch on third and one, or I think it was third and one early in the game when the Saints were getting really aggressive, and I think that really set the tone for how they were going to attack the the Rams in this game. And it's just good to see. Yeah, a guy that, too, he talked about, I think it was when we were at that week in Green Bay, the fact that was a whole new world for him just because uh, it's something obviously he had never done before and just the – 
the mental part of being a tight end was just so so much more intense that he even imagined. What does it mean to get back on track? Uh, it feels good. I mean, anytime you get a win, uh, you know, you come back in the locker room, you got guys dancing, guys, you know, just gelling together. But uh, definitely when you have the offense clicking, you got the defense, you know, making stops, it always feels good to, you know, so um, you just got to keep going. That's pretty much the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. You're making your catches count. You lead this team with five touchdown receptions. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it was never about me. I mean, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. That's that's how I've always been. Um, it's always glory to God first, but it's always, you know, to my teammates, just doing it in service of them. You know, I, I, I play for them pretty much. So it was never about me. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing uh, about this whole team is that we got a whole bunch of guys who aren't playing for themselves individually. And that's when success comes. Um, just playing for the other guy across from you. Me and Trout said before the before the game started that I'm playing for you and I'm, uh, he's playing for me. So that's just the biggest thing about the whole thing, just playing for each other. But a lot of talented players on this offense to lead this team in receptions has to mean something. Yeah, it's something. But like I said before, and I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't really harp on like uh, personal achievements. It's, it was never about me. Um, I just work hard so I can, you know, so we can win. And uh, we can win Super Bowl, win championship, divisional stuff. It was never about me. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Juwan Johnson. Yeah. 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 That touchdown really kind of boxed out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is like Mike's route right here. But uh, since Mike's gone, I kind of like t- taking that role of being like that box out guy in that certain position. So um, it was kind of like a box out position and kind of like doing my thing. I like playing basketball. Yeah. Mike's done it well for so many years. And so just watching his film and kind of emulating that uh, is kind of like the biggest thing. So, yeah, just all I had to do was make the catch and use my big body. Well, I mean, it's just like it's just all about watching film. Uh, I mean, like I said, he's done a, a great job running the route. He, he he scored on the touchdown in Tampa, so it's like it's nothing different from what he does. And so I just have to do the same thing. He's so successful at doing it, so I'm just like doing the same thing. Yeah, so that was obviously Jawan Johnson talking about his game. You know, I did think it's interesting that you know he's saying, "Oh yeah, that's Mike's route," right? Right. Because right. you know, I've always said like Mike basically is a big is a, is a fast tight end you know like obviously he doesn't line up at the y you know but the way he plays throughout his career is like yeah you use that body you box people out you get open you make the catch with strong hands and that's what Jawan is able to do um what he needed to be able to do was become a better blocker and he's becoming i don't know, i still think he has some work to do as a blocker but he's gotten good enough that you can keep him on the field and when you have him on the field he can be a weapon and that's what he was in this game yeah, there's no doubt that Johnson's been one of the brighter spots on this offense this season, and I didn't think his contributions would be this large this year. And even though there things haven't been pretty at times or perfect, at least you know there, there's more reason to believe that Johnson's going to develop even more into this role as he gets more acclimated as a tight end. This year alone, you know, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games now with at least 30 yards receiving and multiple catches. And the the consistency is what you want to see. You know, he's a tight end. Tight ends are never going to have gaudy numbers week to week unless you're a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, you know. But you just want him to be involved and you want them to continue to be be a consistent threat. And that's what he's been. And, and you know, especially in the red zone, in touchdown scoring areas. Um, and, that's, and that's a good thing. So his stats on the game, Three catches on four targets, 47 yards, and a touchdown. 
He's got about 45 targets on the season. You know, he's going to blow away all of his career high numbers. Uh, he already has in touchdowns. He had tied his career high with four. And now he has five. And so, you know, the guy you keep looking at and saying, you know, poking him with a stick and saying, do something is, is Adam Troutman. Um, he actually had some involvement today, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, this is Jawan's role in that, in that, you know, flex tight end position and he's not giving it back. Yeah, I would agree that totally there definitely seems to be more of that chemistry, that bond with Andy Dalton and Juwan Johnson than Troutman. And I don't know what, what Troutman's deal is. I know obviously he had that concussion early on that he was coming back from, but just hasn't really assimilated into this offense. He's had a, a catch here or there in games that, you know, have maybe made your eyes pop a little, but just nothing really consistent from him. No, he's Josh Hill. Right, like what you you were hoping you did weren't expecting Josh Hill as, as a blocker. He's been fine as a blocker. He hasn't been great, but I mean that's that's what you have in Adam Troutman. Now you don't trade up into the third round and pick Adam Troutman expecting him to be Josh Hill, right? So that's a miss. But I mean that's what you have, right? You have a you have a young, cheap blocking tight end, and that's going to be his role. You know, I think we can all just except that we don't need to go in every offseason saying, well, maybe Adam Troutman can suddenly be a weapon in the passing game. It's not going to happen, but he can be a consistent blocking tight end. It's one of the reasons I think you're comfortable releasing Nick Finette, which happened this week, because he, that's his role. you know. And it's not the, the sexiest role you can have, but that's what he is. And Juwan Johnson is going to continue to be the downfield weapon at the tight end position. I think that is that is a positive for the Saints. And you know, anytime you can define your role, I think that's a good thing. They could end up playing that, you know, the whole shuffle game too, though, with Vinette and bring him back. Oh, I think they will. I mean, he took a pay cut to stay here. Yeah. So like he wants to be here and he was already, I'm sure his pay cut was took, taking him down to the minimum. So in this instance, he's the guy who gets waived, right? Like that's why you want him at the minimum so that when you bring him back, you don't have to figure out the money, right? You're just, okay, you're, you're signed at the minimum. We're going to waive you. We're going to bring you back on Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. Don't pack your stuff. You know, whether he might come back in the practice squad, who knows, but you know, that's why you do that. Right. And it's like, okay, Nick, you're making above the minimum. We need to, we need to bring your salary down so that we can, you know, make this work. Same thing that they tried to do with Latavius Murray last year and Latavius wasn't having it. Nick did take that pay cut so i would be surprised if now he's not willing to play ball and just come back on a, on a minimum deal but either way you know it is what it is one guy who will have to give his his job back at some point but is playing way way far above and beyond what i think a lot of people expected at least people who had not seen him play before is Caden ellis you know he has i think hit like 27 tackles on the season he led the team with 10 today he had one and a half sacks and, you know, he's just continued to thrive in a role that, you know, you didn't know what to expect from. You were losing Pete Warner, a guy who has been everything to this defense over the first however many nine weeks that he had played. And Caden has really come in. And you know, I don't think you've seen that much of a drop off. Obviously, the defense didn't have its greatest day in Pittsburgh. But, you know, I don't think that they they struggled as mightily as you thought they might with losing Pete Warner. So that's that's really positive. I, I really like Caden Ellis and talking to him. He's a very positive presence. You can always, there's just a, an aura about somebody, a guy that he's the uh, oldest of 12 siblings. Wait, what? Uh, his, yeah, 12 siblings. Uh, his 12? Son, 12, right. His brother plays on the Eagles. Uh, Christian, Christian Ellis is on Philly. And his dad, Luther, was a former NFL All-Pro defensive lineman. Uh, 
just a, a big football family there. And uh, a guy that's easy to root for, I feel like. They could have an entire team. Yes, he could field some. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's all brothers, obviously, but I do, I do know it's 12 siblings. That's wild. I did not realize that. That's insane. Anyway, I'm, I'm just well, blown you know away. What's funny about what, what, do they all have great do? cheekbones? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to get like a big family photo to look at. What's funny, uh, <laughs> talking to him previously, he had said that, you know, he didn't get recruited by a lot of schools because he desperately wanted to play quarterback in college. And he told some coaches that he didn't want to play defense. And now look at him, which is amazing. He wanted to be a quarterback. Well, yeah. And he's also, you know, he's another Utah guy. He went to school at Idaho. Um, but, you know, I think what, what DeMario, we asked DeMario about Caden's performance. And I think, you know, his, his, his answer kind of summed it all up pretty nicely. Oh man. Uh, five, five is probably been for the last couple years, the best kept secret in the NFL. We knew what type of player he was, and now he's getting that opportunity, and he's showing it to the world. Uh-huh. I don't know if anybody's shocked when they watch it in our building. Um, I'm sure he's shocking a lot of people who didn't know. Um, but just give it time. He's going to be on everybody's radar. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's a guy who struggled to stay healthy early in his career. You know, I think he would have gotten an opportunity before now if he had been able to stay healthy, right? He's been on a team forever. It's not like I know, he's, it's a, crazy he's a to think he's heading it. This is year four. Right, right. It's not like he's a new, new, new face, and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe we we never got to see him before." It's, he hasn't been healthy. Yeah, he's kind of like Chase Hansen. You know, like every year, it's like they bring him back because they clearly they like him. But you know, prior to this year, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field, and uh, he he has this year, and I think he has earned himself some money. Right, like that's the thing. You're looking at a guy who's going to be a free agent. And you're putting really good tape out there. <laughs> and uh, who knows, you know, maybe he gets a decent contract lobbed his way by by a linebacker needy team. But, you know, and, and the Saints have a pretty good pedigree of, of, of establishing linebackers. So, you know, it's just just good for him. He, he He's worked hard. He's always been there. You know, it's I think he's a very, very underappreciated piece of this team, especially because, you know, they don't really run the Sam position out there. So even though he was technically the starter, at the Sam, you're only getting like eight, 12 reps a game. And so just proving he can do it at will, I think, is really positive because, he, you know, at the Saints are that team that signs him. And DeMario Davis isn't going to play forever. And, you and you know, there's a scenario where maybe, you know, DeMario calls it and you move Pete Warner over to the mic and you have Caden in at will. And, you know, I'm obviously going way down the road here. But the fact that that's now on the table is, is good because this is a team that I've criticized it for for not having a lot of depth that you could see stepping into a starting role and you know that's it's good to see that they at least at linebacker have that this is what you love about the nfl too caden ellis seventh round draft pick for this team and has easily outperformed third round pick zach bond it doesn't matter where you were drafted it's it's all about you know what you're doing now and i just just impressive to see a guy like that being able to outperform his draft status i guess you would say yeah, I mean, I think Zach has done a decent job the last few weeks. He's had to step up into the Sam role, which obviously it's it's not a heavily emphasized role on a team, on any team really, because everyone's running sub packages and running that extra defensive back out there as often as possible. Chris Harris, we haven't really talked about him. He got victimized a bit on uh, on the by Tutu Atwell, which great name, sixty four yeah. yard, I think I, touchdown. I believe that was Tutu's first career touchdown too. It was, and he was going about 21 and a half miles an hour, according to next gen stats. I think that's something that, you know, from a defensive game planning perspective, it's something you have to be aware of because I think Chris Harris 
is a solid nickel cornerback, right? He's a guy who's always played inside. And that's where he is is at his best. Earlier in his career, you know, maybe you could have moved him outside and he could have held up. He is not a guy you want to see trying to run with someone down the edge of the field, particularly not a guy as fast as Tutu Atwell. And uh, so yes, the speedy Tutu. The speedy Tutu. And like it's clear the Rams saw that saw that matchup and they want they wanted to get him out in space and see if he could run. And they were able to take advantage of advantage of it on that one play, which came right after the Saints drove and kicked a field goal. So they held a lead for a solid 14 seconds. And the Rams were able to get a couple more looks like that. They weren't able to take advantage. Matt Stafford missed what's his name? Skoranek. Later in the game on a similar play, you had you had Chris Harris trying to chase him to the edge of the field. And so I think that's something as a, a from a game planning perspective, you need to be aware that teams are going to try to do that, especially teams with burners that they can push and they can move into the slot and like kind of get creative. Um, because other teams are going to try to do that. Yeah, to, I missed that complete touchdown by 2-2 because I was watching the special teams coach, Darren Rizzi, laying into uh, Will Lutz, and I'm, I was trying to see what it was all about, and I'm assuming it's because he didn't kick the ball far enough for a touchback uh, on the Rams, but I, I couldn't make it out, and the next thing you know, boom, that one play, and the Rams were in the end zone, and I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Uh, but really... It's, we've seen the Saints being victimized on these quote-unquote shot plays, the big plays downfield, and that was just another one that I was hoping was not a thing, you know, that was going to continue in that game, and thankfully did not. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a well-designed play by the Rams, right? They were able to get the matchup they wanted and take advantage of it. It was a good throw. The guy's just really fast. <laughs> you know, there's not much more complicated to it than that. Tyron couldn't get over the top in time. Kind of um, like the LaVishka Chenault TD that, that happened? No, completely different. Okay. Because that was a screen. Yeah, like I said, I didn't even see the two-two. I have to see the replay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the, this was a this was a go route where he completely outran Chris Harris and Matt Stafford put it over the top. Lavisca Chenault was a screen that PJ Williams came up and missed, missed the tackle, tackle, right? And then he got out running, and I'm sure he was going pretty fast too. But <laughs> just a completely, I mean, it's different. Still a big play, still a play right. you can't let happen. But yeah, it's funny you you didn't see the play because I didn't either because <laughs> I got up to go to the bathroom after the after the field goal. Right. And I was like, oh, worst case scenario, I missed like one play on the next drive. <laughs> the next drive was only one play. <laughs> and yeah. like, I heard it. Like I was, I was like refilling the coffee cup on my way back. And I was like, wait, what? And I look over and it's like, yeah, okay. Touchdown. Uh, the Saints are down seven to three. Great. Cool. Fun stuff. And then I got up and went to the bathroom in the second half. And I was like, <laughs> I was worried that, you know, it was, it was me. And like, they were going to score on the next play. Uh, didn't happen. Thankfully. So, well, that was a thing, you know, with the, Completely off topic here, I guess, but when this the Rams had that long drive, scored that touchdown right before halftime, that was so key for the Saints to come out on that opening drive and go down and put points on the board right they away. They really had to. You know, it's easy to forget that they were down 14 to 10 at halftime. And, you know, you go into that half, this is a three and seven football team who has not done anything to make you think that they're going to come out and take control of this game after halftime. The offensive line is in shambles. Aaron Donald is on the other side, yeah. right? They did an excellent job against him. Uh, DA said that their plan was put as many hats on him as possible, right? Like, do not let him go one-on-one. -on -one. And I think it was an interesting thing to watch because there were a couple plays where they did leave, like Landon Young, for example. There was one play where they just left him on an island one-on-one, -on -one, and it was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a three-step, get the ball out of your hand as quickly as possible play. And that's, that's what it was. And so, you know, I think they did a really good job of 
always being aware of where Aaron Donald was and, 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 you know, scheming your offense to account for that. And it's just, it's the type of thing that they just didn't do well a lot of the season. Right. So, you know, hopefully this is a sign of things to come in terms of being able to, you know, tailor your offense to the matchup and execute. I'm, I'm just happy tomorrow. We, uh, on Monday, we'll get to watch, a little bit of a preview of the San Francisco 49ers and finally the other team yeah. that the Saints have to play are on a short week at least. I yeah. know the Saints have to go out to the West Coast, but I'll take any kind of advantage of playing, a, getting a little more rest than the 49ers this week than possible. The Saints are actually in, you know, they, they've gotten past all of their negative week scheduling. And so now they just have positive scheduling because you have obviously, you have a full week and the 49ers are coming up a short week then you get a, an extra day of rest going into Monday night, and then you have a bye. So you're playing on Monday night twice, but you don't have to suffer through that short week because you're hitting the bye. So that is that is an advantage because you get the extra day and you don't have to worry about the short week on the back end. Coming bye week. What's a, what's a bye week? Right. Coming back from the bye, I'm hearing that that's going to be a Saturday game. Right. So you don't have to suffer through a short week with Saturday. And the, that's the reason you that that happens, right? Like it makes sense because the Saints play on Saturday the following week, right? So you don't again you don't get a short week despite playing on Saturday. You just lose a day off of the extra week that you had off anyway. So you play twice on Saturday without having to deal with a short week, and then the week after that you get a long week. You get an extra day because you play on Christmas Eve. So, you know, that's that's helpful, right? So if you can put a couple of wins together, get some guys healthy and come back after the bye, you know, you, maybe you are in a position where you you get the, all that extra rest, you get an extra day, you know, you're dealing with teams that might be hitting in the injury bug themselves. Maybe they're at a point where their season's over and they're tanking, you know, or maybe you get into week 617 and the Eagles have already wrapped up the NFC East and they don't have as much, you know, maybe they're trying to rest some guys to get healthy for the playoffs. I mean, I think if you can go out to San Francisco and win a game, the entire tenor of this season changes and you start to feel like there's a, there's hope. I'm not going to go down that road right now because beating the Rams is kind of like beating the Raiders. Anyone can do it and it's not that interesting. Right. You got to string a couple wins together. And so, you know, I'm hopeful, right? I, I don't see there being any benefit in being just constantly negative like so many people that follow me on twitter seems to think it, it, it like i think that you look for reasons to be optimistic otherwise why are you here <laughs> so that's well, what i'm doing right now well, we're on the saints payroll remember yes that's true they do pay me but i never see that money for some reason anyway yeah let's wrap up that segment we're gonna hit to a quick mailbag after this get your comments in there and we'll try to answer as many as we can inside black and gold coming at you after the saints 27 to 20 victory over the rams about damn time you had a good game. All right, stick around, y'all. Back here on Inside Black and Gold, we're going to hit a quick mail back here to kind of go into some of the action some of the questions, some of the hot takes from after the game. You know, and as expected, there's a lot of, who cares, right? And that's kind of how it is. But anyway, I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller coming at you after the Saints 27-21 win over the Rams. And here's one from Byron Clay, which, kind of, you know, that's this is the, the idea, right? This is the constant negativity. This win means absolutely nothing. Andy Dalton will revert back. 
I mean, it doesn't mean nothing. It means nothing if you can't double down and, and win another game next week and then win like another that, game after right. that, right? Like this win on its own, sure. It does not change anything about where the season is. You're still four and seven. You still are looking up at a division where no one is dominant. The Bucks are still going to be in first place at five and five. The Falcons won, so they're five and six. The Panthers lost, so they are three and eight, I believe. And the Saints are four and seven, right? But you know, you're right there. You're a game and a half back, and you have a game in hand against the Bucks. You just need to pick up one more game in the balance. And so, yeah, you 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 still are alive, whether you want to admit it or not. And I don't really care. But <laughs> you know, it's it's not about this week. It's about next week, and it's about carrying that momentum into next week. And that's what this team has been unable to do. So if they can start doing that, they can start building on some of these positive performances. If they can continue to play clean football and not deal with 10 penalties, right? They had two penalties today, only one that was like real, you know, then you start, you start being a team that's playing winning football. And so that's why this game is relevant, not because it's going to change your season, but because in order to change your season, you had to do this today to get to, to, to start that process. Yeah. Like good old coach speak. You can't win two in a row until you win one. And thankfully, <laughs> right. you know, thankfully we got the win today or we get the win Sunday in the Superdome. And yeah, to me, there's no need to be negative about it. Yeah. Yeah. The Saints should have won this game. They did what they should have done, but we haven't seen that happen in the past few games. So let's enjoy it. I'm not saying we have to, go around parading either the fact that oh the saints are back you know the the team's gonna be on a tear now we'll see what happens i agree with you totally it's like now this game against san francisco is is so key just because let's see something you haven't been able to do all year that's win two in a row right and if you couldn't win this game then yeah like i would have been ready to write this season off Completely. Like you get there's a lot of people who have already done that and I understand it. Like when you start the season the way the Saints have, you lose the right to have people give you the benefit of the doubt. But I do think to some extent, you know, being able to win games against bad teams that are worse than you is a very necessary ability in order to make the playoffs. And so you've shown that twice in the last four weeks. You know, the, I think the Ravens are a team you were never going to beat. That's just like everything the Saints don't do well in one game. Uh Lamar Jackson's grandeur for that game. Right. Like if you got the Steelers at home, it might have been a different story. You didn't, you had them on the road. You had to go to Acropshire Stadium. They played well. They got TJ Watt back. There was emotion. They got the better of you. You know, I think that that game was closer than it might have seemed at the at, at the end. But either way, right. you, you lost it, right? So you needed to come back home and win a game to prove you can. And now you need to go on the road and win a game to prove you can. There's oh, someone putting so. in just as many as hours as us, Jeff. Look in the comments. Tony from Australia. Is he here? Yes, he said, I was glad I got to see the mighty New Orleans Saints live on TV here in Melbourne, Australia, and bring home the win. Tony putting in hours. I didn't even realize that his last name was Dawson because whenever he calls into the pregame show, it's Tony from Australia. But that's good to see you, Tony. Uh, you know, it takes a dedicated fan to watch the Saints in Australia because when they play at noon, that means the game kicks off at 5 a.m. locally. So keep that in mind. And not only if you think your day is rough, imagine waking up at 5 a.m. and watching what the Saints did to this against the Steelers last week. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Not only was he dedicated for the noon kickoff, he was calling into our pregame show. Yes, which means he's a that's yeah, which means that he's calling in at like 2 a.m. local time. Cody, the dedicated man right there. Give him give him his props. 
say who that soldier right there for yes. sure. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I wouldn't even have picked, I wouldn't even have made the connection, but glad to see you, Tony. 992 RAS. Hill had a great game. I said, if you throw with Hill, we'll open the game up. Yeah, I mean, throwing with Hill, it better be a good opportunity. Like you need to, you need to do it in the right spots. I actually thought that they got a little, a little, a little too handsy. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, <laughs> they got, they got a little heavy handed with some of the, some of the taste and plays early in this game when just like, you know, it's second down, just run it, you know, just, just try to create a, a better situation for Andy Dalton. And there was one play where he tried to hit um, Jarvis in the back of the end zone. And like they did, they played the, the, the sweep well. And so I think that's, the, that's the read. If they, if they take away the run, you throw it, but they also took away the throw. <laughs> and so th- there's a, gotta be a third option, which is hit that guy as hard as you can and try to knock him backwards and kick up a couple yards because what the throw he made very easily could have been intercepted. And that drive obviously ended in a uh, field goal by Will Lutz. It was that first, that first scoring drive. And, you know, that's where it's like, you know, you have to be careful. Like you want to be aggressive with Taysom, but you also need to, to account for the fact that it's first down. And while Taysom's coming off the field, Andy Dalton's coming here on second down. And you much rather have that be a second and six than a second and 10 or a interception going the other way. And so that's, that's the balance, right? But I think they did, figure it out better as the game went on last week i was in the week before i was very critical about okay yeah so you you have an incomplete on first down and then you send Taysom hill in on second and 10 and he runs for two yards or one and then you send andy dalton back on the field for third down what they have done and i'm glad that they did this because i was complaining about it is he's seen a lot more action on first downs third and short and like second and medium right because what you don't want to do is take Andy Dalton off the field and then send him back out there in a third and long that he had no hand in creating. And that's what you've avoided the last few weeks. And I think, you know, they talked about how Andy's kind of get got a little frustrated with all the Taysom Hill action in terms of during practice. And, you know, I don't know if, how much real frustration there's been, but I would bet that it is frustrating to walk on the field in third and nine without even having a chance <laughs> on second down. You know, right. Something so. I did not create here. Right, right. It's like you're just putting me in a bad situation. Like, it's like I, being the relief pitcher coming in with the bases loaded. Well, right, right. Well, no, it's worse than that. It's 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 different. It's like being a relief pitcher coming in with like a three zero count. <laughs> because right, as a relief right. pitcher, you expect to come in in weird situations. Like you know that at any point you could come in with the bases loaded, and you're expected to get out of that. You don't think you're going to come in. Knowing that, like, oh, one one bad pitch and I walk in a run, <laughs> you know, like so that's kind of how that's I think that works a little better. But it's it's a good it's a yeah. good analogy. I, I was excited, I will say, to see Alvin Kamara lined up in the Wildcat, and I was like, oh my goodness, we just saw Derrick Henry throw that jump pass on Thursday night football. I was like, could we see something similar here? But oh well, that that play went awry. Yeah, and they, I I thought that they did a really good job of getting Alvin the ball at the edges of the field. Yeah, they did that in the third quarter, and it's like, why? I, I, I've been wondering all season, like, what? Where have these swing passes gone? Where have these like quick throws to the edge to get Alvin Kamara in space going? Because you haven't seen him. No one like whether it whether it's something you you emphasize heavily. You got to make the offense. You got to make the defense account for it. And they just, Saints haven't done that. Here's a warrior of God. Alave is the man. Shahid, Callaway, Landry, Johnson, Kamara. If our OL can play good, we're definitely making the playoffs. Kamara and Hill running zone read, play action passes with Hill will definitely shine. That's positivity. I guess that's... There you go, right. That's the most positive one I've seen in a while. 
So, you know, it's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can incorporate all of your weapons, you're going to be a better football team. And that's what the Saints did today. Here's one thing. I'm pretty sure we have been saying Rashid Shahid's name wrong. No. Yes. I think it's Rashid Shahid. Really? Like the H is silent. I feel like I got to go look at my flip chart to see if it's, it's on there. It's not on here, but okay. that's what the PA announcer was saying all day. And I don't think he would have just started saying that. So I'm going to have to check with Rashid this weekend. If I, uh, so he was saying what? Shahid? Rashid Shahid. Shahid. So not Shahid. Shahid. Which which sounds right. Like, and, and I was talking to Mike Dettelier because uh, he was at, in the Superdome. He was in the press box for this one. And um, it's funny because it's like, I believe that. Because like we were all saying Nephi Sewell all preseason, and yes. then all of a sudden like Eric comes out like oh Nephi, I'm like oh shit what, right? And say you're wrong. It's like why did no one correct us? And like the media people didn't even know, and then they they added it to the flip chart, and so like I w- it wouldn't shock me at all if Rashid just didn't feel comfortable correcting everybody. He's like I'm a UDFA. What am I? Who knows how long I'll even be here? I don't want to piss people off. And so anyway, I, I want to ask him in the locker room this week if if we've all been saying his name wrong. I'll have to go back to some past highlights, too. YouTube's great for that, where you just look at someone's highlight to see how the announcers are calling it. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe they've been, like it's got Kayshawn Booty, right? Like Everyone yes. said his name wrong for like two years, and then someone finally asked him. and was like, hey, it's, it's actually Booty. Right. Because like there's been seven different ways, but you know Joe Tessitore still says it wrong every week. So I think everyone wants to say the wrong emphasis on it just because they're afraid to say Booty. E- yeah, right. But it's Booty. Right. Everyone wants to say booty. Okay. No. Right. It's booty. Like what a pirate has. Pirate treasure. Like a badonka donk. 992 RAS again. Do you think Alave will get rookie of the year? I think he has a chance. Now, Agreed. Kenneth Walker has been fantastic. And he's going to be featured for the Seahawks the rest of the way. And the Seahawks are in position to win the NFC West. So that's the one player that I look at like, yeah, he's going to make this difficult for Chris Olave in large part because the Saints are 4 and 7 and you know if they don't if they're not competitive down the stretch and if they don't push to win the NFC South, I think that does play a role, right? When you are a rookie who's starring on a team that's in that's make that's making a playoff push. That definitely is a feather in your cap. So Chris Olave, you know, with a game like today, his third 100-yard game of the season, he needs to get in the end zone a few more times. Right, I think it's only what his third touchdown. Yes, in my um, fantasy, T.M. agrees with you. Yeah, I mean he's been very heavily involved, but he hasn't scored, and this offense hasn't been prolific at scoring. So you know that's not something you hold against him. He's still leading all rookies in receptions and yards. But I think in order to 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 pass Kenneth Walker, this team needs to win a few more games and at least be in contention for the playoffs the final few weeks. He needs to get in the end zone a couple more times, and he needs to have a couple more hundred yard games, break the thousand yard receiving mark. Then he has a chance. But no, he definitely has a chance. I would put him in second right now behind Kenneth Walker. It was definitely pretty impressive to see him schooling Jalen Ramsey to, uh, on that 53-yard touchdown. That was a heck of a throw by Andy Man. Dalton. Oh, you know, I, yeah, I give, Andy, Dalton too. I give Andy a lot of grief. That was a – he stood in there. He knew he was going to take a hit. That was a blind throw. Like, he just threw it out there and said, go get it, kid. And he and Alave ran under it. You know, like he knew he was going to get eaten alive. Like I think the, I think it might have been Nick Underhill who asked him, was like, "How aware were you that Aaron Donald was about to just, you know, put you in the ground?" He was like, "I was pretty aware. <laughs> like I knew he was coming." But it was like he's got to throw it, and he did. And you know, it's the difference between, you know, that that's why it's tough to really put every interception on a quarterback because if you go back to the Cardinals game, right? Yeah. The second interception that he threw to 
Isaiah Simmons. It was like, yeah, if he if if that rush gets there a split second later and he's able to throw it where he's throwing it, it's a big play. If Aaron Donald gets gets there a split second earlier, or if Andy holds it for a split second longer, he's not able to get the full throw off. You know, that's probably an underthrown ball that's fluttering out there for an interception, right? So it's like they say like a game of inches, like that's that's true. You know, that is that is real. And sometimes you gotta stand in there and take a hit. And he did. So good for him. Yeah, and just we we want to see more of those plays, obviously. But I think that Olave has been pretty darn consistent this season. And I know we've mentioned this on and on and on. You don't have, you know, a top guy like Michael Thomas around. Jarvis Landry hasn't been around for most of the year. And there's pretty much, you know, he has been the guy, the target, and is still able to produce. I uh, love what you said early on. It's like Chris Olave is always open. Yeah, he is always open. It's just a matter of throwing it. Daryl Heim, Dalton did great, but I think he could have done better, especially early on. Felt like he wasn't allowing the play to develop. Well, keep in mind, again, this is a game where you were down three of your five starting offensive linemen, and Aaron Donald <laughs> was on the opposing uh, defensive line, right? So I don't blame a guy for getting a little antsy in the pocket, for maybe that clock speeding up a little, a little in his head, right? And sure, yeah, maybe, maybe if he stood in there he might have been able to create some more plays, but again, it, if you're standing in there thinking, "Oh yeah, we're not, we're we're gonna stop Aaron Donald for sure." Yeah, I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> it's gonna be, a, you're you're gonna have a long day, and you're gonna be pain. You're gonna be in pain after it. Yeah, to me, I I give you know the Saints a ton of credit for being able to limit his production because I was definitely ghastly afraid of what Aaron Donald's stat line was going to be at the end of this game. And he he had some, you know, made some plays, but it wasn't like he overtook it, which I was worried about. Right. So there, people are arguing in the comments over whether we should actually ask Rashid Shaheed, Rashid Shaheed his name. Dalton did good today, but the Rams are in the Super Bowl hangover right now. Yeah, like, again, the Rams are a bad football team. No questions asked. So that's why, like, you don't overreact to this game. But, like, I think the, the, the cliche that you said, Steve, that I think really – kind of sums it up it's like you can't win two games in a row until you win one game in a row and this is that one game now you can do the same thing about the raiders <laughs> right and that, and that victory seems like it was so long ago jeff yes it's because it was <laughs> ancient history yes they were like seven offensive linemen ago <laughs> well that's all the questions anything else you want to hit steve before we go no, definitely anticipating a uh, interesting week ahead to see who's able to return to practice. We got another, you know, the, the laundry list of injuries continues with this team. Hopefully a guy like a Cam Jordan is out there. I don't know. Still with Marshawn, saw him again today on the sideline. Not, you know, obviously Drew was out there too. a positive. What's that? Drew was out there too. Maybe his like proximity buffer is kind of like Sean Payton's where if he's just in the state, people are like, Oh, he's play they're gonna the Saints are gonna play better. No, I thought and and Drew stayed down there for a while, even during kickoff. I was like, is he gonna be like Coach Drew today? But eventually he left and I'm sure went with the wife and kids to the suite. But definitely always great to see Drew around. That was another positive, I thought, obviously, for the team. But I, you know, I, I dreaded when I tweeted out the picture of Drew, it was like Oh, is he going to be QB1 today? Yeah, right. Here's one more from Diesel Magnificent. He says, how do y'all feel about my opinion three weeks ago when I said we should use two quarterbacks? Now, you know, this is something I said during during the game, and this sure felt a lot more like, and we don't have to get into all of this. We talked a lot about Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill in the first segment, 
But this year felt a lot more like a college two two quarterback system than a Andy Dalton is the starter and you have like one off Taysom snaps because you know it was like there was one series where they basically just like handed off like every other play was a different quarterback and it's like that's something you see in college it's not something you see in the NFL and you know if you can find find a way to turn your offense into like less not necessarily a gimmick but something that makes it really difficult to defend that's it right that's something that teams don't want to have to deal with um like you saw the Saints when the when the Rams had to go to Bryce Perkins like they struggled to to adjust in game and you're like that's gonna happen so there you have it I think Steve you might have frozen Yes, Steve is gone. <laughs> Steve, Steve left. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone who tuned in. Thanks, everyone who left a comment. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. Hopefully, you are in a better mood than you have been the last couple weeks. And uh, hopefully, the good times can continue. Steve has returned, but I'm, I'm I'm about to leave. So Yeah, I had the wheel of death buffering, and then it cut out. Steve's internet has been slowly dying for the last six months. And my kid's not even home playing Call of Duty, so I don't know... If- That's it. All right, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Peace.